Heavenly Father, I just come to you now, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, uh, I pray that you would just calm my spirits down. Help me to be able to deliver a message, Lord, that's on your heart. I pray that you would actually just feed your people, feed your sheep, tend to them, water them, help them, Lord, to draw closer to you. And Lord, help me to be able to actually just be the vessel that you call me to be. Empty my Empty me of myself, Lord, and fill me with your Holy Spirit, that it will be more of you and less of me. <laughs> and I just thank you once again. I pray for my pastor, Lord. I pray that you just bring forth healing upon him and Pat and others that are sick. Lord, we pray that you would actually get the heart of this nation back to you. And Lord, you're the only one that can do this. And Lord, we know that you can bring rain. Lord, uh, we know that we, our hearts need to be watered. So this morning, help your Holy Spirit bring into our hearts that water that we need to be able to grow closer to you and stronger. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the book of Ruth. I'll be reading out of the New King James. My name is Rudy. Besides, I'm so, some of you already know me. Others probably do not. A little bit about myself. I am married. I have three boys, Mark, Nash, and Paul. My wife's name is Minda. And we have gone through a lot. But I have seen God's hand move in mighty ways. So this book speaks to me a lot. And I pray that it would speak to you. I served in the military in the United States Navy for 26 years. Retired in 1995 as a senior chief. I attended, I worked for the school district of Cajon Valley for 20 years and then retired again. And here I am. I came to the Lord in 1981 in El Centro, California, just down the road from here. And when I accepted Christ, Christ did one thing for me, and that was he took drinking away from me, which something I could not do. And being a sailor, that was a life. Okay? When we go into the book of Corinthians, I can relate to that. Right? But God took me out of that life. And he gave me a life to be able to actually just continue with him. And he's always been a provider. He's always been there for me. He has never failed me. Not once. Even when I thought he did, he ended up drawing me right back. And that is amazing. That's the type of God that we have. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. And Ruth is a book that will actually show us. Because it's about it's a beautiful story considered a literary gem, one of two books in the Bible in which a woman is the principal character. Ruth and Moabites, who married a Hebrew husband, Esther, a Jew, who married a Gentile king. These are the only two books in the Bible that are about women, but they're great books. The author is unknown. Well, possibly Samuel. 
The period is the time of judges. Okay. The subject is how a young Moabite woman's life is enriched. And that should speak to all of us in that manner. How was it enriched? Is it by beautiful consistency and wise choice in chapter 1, verse 16? By humble industry in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3? By accepting counsel from an old friend, three, chapter 3, verses 1 and 5, in provincial allegiance, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, by an exaltation to a royal line, chapter 4, verses 13. That sort of covers our lines. Main purpose is to show how a Gentile woman becomes one of the ancestors of Christ. Historical analysis is that the sojourn in, in Moab is from chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, a sad return on chapter 1 through verse 6 to 22. Ruth gleams in the fields of Boaz in chapter 2. Her marriage, is, her marriage to Boaz is in chapter 4, verse 13. And then the birth of her son, the grandfather of David, in chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. The genealogy of David is at the end of the chapter. It's chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And I added this because it just, to me, when I get to know the people within it, it speaks. So the characters' names and their meaning, Elimelech means my God is king. Naomi means pleasant. Then she asks to be called Mara, meaning bitter. Okay. Milan means sickness. Chilion means wasting. Ruth means friend. Ophrah means neck or skull. Boaz is meaning is swiftness. Okay, Milan married Ruth and Chilion married Ophrah. Moab means from the father. The Moabites were descendants of Lot in Genesis 19 to 37. The firstborn, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day, thus distantly related to the Jews, but they were adulterers. Their God, Shemios was worshipped by child sacrifice. And that is the introduction to Ruth. So we'll start with chapter 1. I'll read the whole chapter, and then we'll go into the study. Now it came to pass, in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the, in, in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, 
went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name, the name of the man was Elimelech. The name of the wife was Naomi. The names of the two sons were Melion and Chilion, Ephronites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. When Ishlin, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Ophrah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Then both Moan and Shilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore they went out from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have, you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of your husbands. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely I, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters, for you, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Ophrah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, my, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I, I will be buried. The Lord do so to me more also, if anything but death parts us and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. 
Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But they said, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And that's chapter 1. Ruth gave up everything that she had to follow her mother-in-law. Now, it amazes me that it never mentioned anything as to what the attitude or the conduct of Naomi was while she was in Moab. What did she do that caught Ruth's heart, not her eyes, but her heart to follow her? What was she acting? What was she doing that actually brought this young lady to the point of saying, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Now, I want you to look at yourself and say, God called you and called me. And we told him, you will be my God. And I want to just follow you. So this relates to a time that we have a redeemer that redeemed us. And we need to really grasp on to how much love he has for us. You know, Naomi brings this thing, oh, call me Mara. How many times that we wish that God would call us something different? But he doesn't. He knows each one of us by name, and he still calls us out in the same way. So as we go through chapter 1 or even through the book of Ruth, help us to understand, just focus where your walk is with God. Focus on what struggles are you going through. And how do they relate to what Naomi went through? And how do they relate to what Ruth responded with? Because we have a God that loves us. We have a God that cares for us. And he desires to actually just draw us in. Not push us away. But draw us in. And he wants us to learn to rest upon him. Not to struggle. He knows what we're going to go through. I mean, <laughs> I wake up every morning and I say, Well, Lord, just if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. You know? Because he's my breath. He's my all in all. He's the one that I wake up in the morning anxious to talk to. Wanting to know, what do you have on your heart for me today? What is it that you want to orchestrate in my life that will bring you glory and praise? And when we look at it that way, we look at this book this way, we'll glean from his field. 
just like Ruth is going to glean from Boaz's field. And we will have a harvest because God will bring it. In chapter 1 of 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man from Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his son, two sons, in the day when the judges ruled. This account begins in the closing days of judges, a 400-year period of general anarchy and oppression when the Israelites were not ruled by kings, but periodically delivers whom God raised up when the nation sought him. They didn't have a king. And that's another story. (laughs) We'll have to go to Samuel for that one. Notable among the judges were Gideon, Samson, and Deborah. Each of these were raised up by God, not to rule as king, but to lead Israel during a specific challenge and then to go back to Abstruci. I think that's what it is. The days when the judges ruled were actually dark days for Israel, and the period was characterized by the phrases, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. If you go to the book of Judges, they did good, and they went back. And then they did good, and then they went back. Sort of reminds us of us. We go forward, and then uh, we go backwards. But yet, God is faithful. (laughs) He brings someone. For them, it was Judges, Samson, Gideon. When Gideon was called, he said, oh, you man of valor. And he's in a cave, threshing wheat. Okay? That's how I feel right now <laughs> as a Gideon. You know? God has called to be able to actually do this. Well, I just took the step of faith and the Lord, you're going to have to be with me because I've never done this before. Okay? And hopefully we will all be blessed with what God has for us. In Judges, in Judges it says in 17.6, you'll find this in 18.1, in 19, chapter 19, verses 1. And in 21:25, now a certain man of Bethlehem in those days, a man of Bethlehem left the land of Israel and sojourned into the country of Moab because of famine. But Bethlehem was a rich agricultural area. The city's name means house of bread. But times were tough, so they went, he went to the pagan land of Moab. Now think about that. God is in Israel. He's in the promised land. He just crossed it over. For the men were in Joshua. We're just seeing that they just went over. Okay? But here is the book of Ruth. And this man, which more than likely was probably one of the children that crossed into the promised land, now goes back to a pagan nation. And sometimes we believe within our own hearts that going back might be better for us. And God is saying, no, it's not. (laughs) It isn't. We might think it is. 
but it's not. To do so, he had to, think about this, he had to hike through the desolate Jericho path, through the Judean wilderness near the Dead Sea, going across the Jordan River into the land of Moab, This was a definite departure from the promised land of Israel and a return to the wilderness from which God had delivered Israel hundreds of years before. These were clearly steps in the wrong direction. And we might find ourselves doing that. The famine in the land... God specifically promised that there will always be plenty in the land of Israel. In the land, if Israel was obedient. Okay. There is a famine in the land meant that Israel as a nation was disobedient unto the Lord. And this is in Deuteronomy 11 verses 13 to 17. Turn there. Thirteen to seventeen, it said, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commands, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for the land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed for yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger arouse against you And he shuts up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Now, that's in Deuteronomy. (laughs) This is before they even cross the Jordan or they even cross the the sea before they even cross the Jordan. They ended up going across. The children, not the ones that came out of Egypt. There's only two. Okay, Caleb was one. Joshua was the other. The only two are the original people that came out of Egypt. Now this man, one of the children, (laughs) that was given the opportunity to come into the promised land, decides, because there's a famine, excuse me, in the land, he decides he's going to take his children and his family to Moab. Why? Apparently, there's a famine. There's no rain. 
Why was there no rain? Because they were disobedient. That's the key. Disobedience is not going to gain you anything. It's going to stop God's hand from working within your life. That's what it's going to cause. Obedience is what God desires. Better than sacrifice. It's not the good things that we do that's going to draw God, us closer to God. It's the obedience of our heart that will bring us closer to Him. Even through the struggles that we go through, we have to depend upon Him to say, Okay, Lord, you made me. You know everything about me. Now it's up to you to take care of all this because you told me you would take me the way I am. So whatever struggles, whatever problems we're going through, he is responsible. But the only way he's going to be responsible is if you're obedient enough to let him do it. And this is where this person is. He's responsible. For us as men, the the man is the spiritual leader of his family. So consider that. Consider your walk with God. He went to sojourn. This means leave and with the intention of returning. He didn't want to stay there. He was going to come back. The next verse tells us the name of the man was Elimelech. And his intention of short visit turned into ten tragic filled years. Elimelech never returned to Israel. The name Elimelech means God is, God is king. But he didn't really live as if God was his king. You know, a, a king that's in royalty, they give him that honor that he deserves. We have a king. <laughs> his name is Jesus. And if you're saying, oh, he's my king, then he's going to ask you, then, if I'm your king, where's my honor? You know, where's my respect? If I'm your father, where is my honor? These are questions that are within the Bible that I've read that God has spoke to me about personally. So our relationship with God has to be personal, and it is in this story. Strategy in Moab is that the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife was Naomi, and the names of the two were Melon and Chilion, the Phrenites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and re- remained there. When Elimelech and Naomi's husband died, she, she was left, and her two sons. Now they took wives of the Moab women. And the name of the one was Ophrah, and the other one was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then Melon and Chilion also died. So the women survived her two sons. The woman survived her two sons and her husband. Emelish, Naomi's husband, died. When Emelish and her family came to Moab, they did not find life easier. Emelish soon died, and his while Naomi was left to care for her two boys, Milan and Chilion. 
It is hard to say that this was the direct hand of God's judgment against him. It is sometimes difficult to discern why tragic things happen. What is certain is that the change of scenery didn't make things better. That's still like today. Look at our country. Look what it's going through. It's not better. <laughs> they keep telling us that. Oh, the economy is doing great. Yeah, we're really working hard. And you can sit there and say, oh, the scenery looks different, but I don't see any change. <laughs> and that has to be with our own walk with Christ. We sometimes think that we, we can move away from our problems, but find they just bring them with us. Okay? No matter where we go, you bring yourself with you. So the same problems can continue on in a different place. Just a change of address. Okay? But it hasn't changed. But with God, it has to change. Your life has to have a change. The old habits that you've been doing can't be done anymore. Now they took two wives, the, uh, the women of Moab, Melian and Chilion grew and took wives among the Moabite women named Ophrah and Ruth. Again, this was not in obedience to God. God commanded the Israelites not to marry among the pagan nations surrounding them. They were told this. It's not like they, oh, it was something new. <laughs> they were told this before they crossed. Why? Because their parents had to teach them those things. Night and day. If they had a question, they said, oh, why do we, why do, we do this? Said, What's this thing about the Sabbath? They had to explain that to them. So they knew. Okay? And we know. We know that God is saying, the old man has to die. Reckon the old man dead. Bury him. You know, I had a friend, and I prayed with him quite a bit. But one time he came in. This is before I came to Lakeside. I was at Jericho Road, which was known before that, <coughs> excuse me, as uh, Calvary of El Cajon. And he came in telling me, oh, I'm going through this. And I said, Joe, why don't you reckon the old man dead? And he said, what do you mean? Why are you carrying a corpse, dragging it along with you? It's just going to hinder your walk. You're not going to be able to run the race the way you're supposed to. And it's going to stink. So why would you want to do that? He just looked at me, because we're very close. We prayed a lot. And he looked at me and he says, Rudy, you're right. So we prayed that God would help him to be able to let go of the old ways. You don't need them. You didn't benefit from them from the beginning. What makes you think you're going to benefit from now? Okay? And that's why I know it doesn't benefit me to go back to being a sailor. No. 
It benefits me more to be a sailor for Christ. When I came to Christ, God used me in such way that I was amazed. On one of the commands that I was on, I had made chief petty officer. I, before that, I was a first class that was reinstated by God. But he ended up giving me an opportunity to talk to this young man. This young man was going right through this, through Ruth. He had a family. He had enlisted. But the next thing he was going to do, he was going to go before the commanding officer. I'd been there. The reason I say that is because I got demoted before I got promoted. I got promoted to God. I got lifted up to him. And what did it cost me? I got demoted in rank. But God told me, he said, you know what? Your cupboards aren't going to be bare. I'll still be with you. Just follow me. So I said, okay, my covenant to God was this. Lord, I'll give you 15 minutes every day. 15 minutes to read a chapter and pray. Because you know what my schedule is. Once I get to work, I'm going to be going in different directions. Trying to accomplish what you want me to. But I'll give you 15 minutes. And that's what I used to do. Read a chapter a day and pray. The neighbors where we were staying at asked Minda, my wife, they said, there's a, there's a person down there in that car. I said, who is it? Oh, that's my husband. I said, what's he doing? He's reading God's word and he's praying. <laughs> praying, I said, yeah. But this young man, getting back to him, he came up to me and I asked him, he said, you know, what's going on? So he told me, he says, look, he said, I'm, I'm going to go before the commanding officer. I don't want to be kicked out. I want to be able to serve this country. I said, okay. He said, do you know Jesus? He says, no. Well, well, let's start there. Are you willing to accept Jesus Christ into your life? His response was yes. So we prayed. He said, now... Now we're going to trust God. We're going to pray. And my prayer was, Lord, give him favor as he goes to the commanding officer. Show him how much you love him. You know, just use this and use it to be able to bring yourself more and pray. But a year later, I made rank. The Lord gave me anchors. And I went back to this command. I crossed the brow. I salute the ensign. I request permission to come on board. And I hear a voice from the fantail of the ship. It's Chief Rivet. And I turn around. <laughs> and I look at him and say, I know you. And I said, didn't they kick you out? <laughs> and he says, no. On his sleeve was a third class petty officer. He had made it. You know, that's just one of the many things that God did with me. 
So I know being obedient is important. And I want you to understand that. And this man, all he had to do is just be obedient to God. Yeah, they weren't getting any rain and they weren't getting any food. But God's our provider and he's going to provide. As we know, these two young men, Mary, Ophir and Ruth, they died. They weren't supposed to marry them because they weren't supposed to intermarry, but they did. So now we have three childless widows, Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Ophir and Ruth. To be childless, to be a childless widow, was to be among the lowest. Okay most disadvantaged classes in the ancient world. There was no one to, there's no one to support you. You had to live on a on the generosity of strangers. Naomi had no family in Moab and no one else to help her. It was a desperate situation. And I believe that that happens even today. There are young ladies, or even old ones, they are in that situation. But you know, if they know the Lord, if they know Jesus, that's their provider. He'll open doors. And the reason I know that is because there was a lady that lost her job, has two boys. I got the request. It's coming from Calvary of Jericho Road. I pray for them even now. So I left it over prayer. I said, Lord, open doors for them. She's got a job. She's still supporting. They got an apartment to be able to live in. God is faithful. These three widows head back to Judah. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws that she might return from the country of Moab. She had heard that the country of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now Naomi hears in Moab that God has visited Israel, and they're prospering. So he just, she decides, yeah, let's get back. Wise counsel from, and a wise heart in this lady. From distant Moab, Naomi heard that God was going to do good things back in Israel. So she went to be part of the good things that God was doing. So what good things is God doing in each one of our lives? That it would keep us away from going backwards and still go forward. Our life with God should make others want to come back to the Lord just by looking at our lives. Our walk with the Lord should be something that makes others say, I want some of that also. I believe that that's all Naomi did in Moab. (laughs) She just set an example. She was in a different country. 
And the reason I can say that because my wife is from a different country. My wife is a Filipino. I met her in the Philippines. None of us knew God. I was raised a Catholic. She lived in a Muslim island. You talk about a couple put together, there had to be God. <laughs> and I thank that because we've been together for 46 years. Oh, you can't tell me that God isn't real. I know. <laughs> I, I've seen what he's done. That's why I get excited. <laughs> And I want to be able to actually just share that with you. It says, look, I struggled, but I knew that what God told me when I first came to him. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. I said, okay. And I trust him even more now. I'm not young. I'm 73 years old. <laughs> I got grandchildren. And I don't know anything about being a granddad. <laughs> but I know that my Father in Heaven will teach me how to minister to them. You know, if, if I ever teach anything to my grandchildren, is this. Let's go talk to God. Let's go pray. <laughs> They'll handle the rest. Let's go just sit still before Him. That would probably be the best thing for me to be able to do. Just be like a Naomi, just to set an example that it would show them who God is. So I want to encourage you. If you have grandchildren, enjoy them. They're from God, just like your children. Enjoy them. And, and set that example for them that they can glean from that field of your own very heart as you glean from God's field, from his heart. Naomi petitions her two daughter-in-laws to go back to Moab. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go and return to each of your mother's houses. The Lord deal kindly with you, and as you have dealt with the dead and with me, the Lord grant you grant that you may be find rest, each in the house of your husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Go return to each one of your mother's house. By all common sense, this was the wise thing to do. Alfred and, and, and Ruth had string, stronger family ties in Moab than they did with Naomi. So it made sense for them to stay in Moab instead of going to a new land Israel with Naomi. We're in this world. We're pilgrims. <laughs> We're walking through. We don't belong here. Our place is in heaven with God. Do we have stronger ties in heaven? Or do we have stronger ties in this world? And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to ask God to actually just challenge you on that. Where are your times? Like, okay, 
The Lord did deal kindly with you. The Lord grant that you may find rest. With these words, Naomi freely blessed them. They, she prayed that they would remarry each of the house of their husbands. Deal kindly. In the, in the ancient Hebrew word, I think it's, it says, compassion deeds of mercy perform a more powerful party for the benefit of the weaker one. In Ruth 1.9, Naomi described marriage as a place of rest. The Lord grant you, grant that you find rest, each in the house of your husband. God intends that each marriage be placed and secure of rest, peace, and refreshment in life. Now, for those that are married or have been married, you will know their struggles. But God says, find rest in that. So she kissed them and lifted up their voices and wept, and, and they wept. This emotion showed an evidence of the real relationship of the love between Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. In Ruth 1, 10 to 13, Naomi pleaded with her two daughter-in-laws to stay in Moab. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are, you, are there still sons in my womb and that they may be your husbands? Go back, my daughters, go. For I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say, I have hope. If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord had gone out against me. Now, this is a compassionate mother-in-law. She would rather they go back to their own family. And yet these two, at the beginning, both are willing to go with her. Okay? But she enticed them to say, hey, look, get remarried if you have to. You know? Have a restful life. But here is where it turns. Are there still sons in my womb? According to the ancient time, the young woman was left widow without having a son. Then one of his deceased husband's brothers was responsible for being a surrogate father and providing her with a son. Naomi here says that she has no other sons to give either Ruth or Ruth. Now Judah went through this with Tamar, his daughter-in-law. Judah had promised he had two other sons. The oldest one died, the next one didn't lie. He didn't want to have children through Ruth, didn't want to give her any, and God got rid of him. The youngest one comes out with the next one in line, he decides, well, he's not going to do it either. Okay? So he gets dealt by God. 
And Tamar comes to Ju- Judah and, and tells him, he says, well, you know, says, you got the youngest. He said, I'll wait for the youngest. You know, when he gets old enough to marry, he said, then we'll get married. And Judah says, oh, yeah, okay. And he forgets all about it. Tamar did not forget. <laughs> Tamar said, this is what the law says. <laughs> and this is what you're supposed to do. Okay. So what does she do? She dresses up like a harlot, goes to the side of the road, and deceives her own father-in-law. Judah didn't even recognize who she was. Then later on, she was impregnated by Judah. And she was told, when Judah is told, it says, Tamar's with child. Okay, so they bring her to him. But before that, Tamar had asked for a signet ring and a staff from Judah. And she used this. When they, he confronted her, he listened to what he had to say. He says, well, whoever these things belong to, that's the man. And Judah realized one thing. This lady is wiser than me. (laughs) And she's more honorable because she was keeping to the word that God said. And this is what Naomi is telling us. Look, I don't have any children. Why are you going to wait so long to get some more? Go remarry. But one does that. Trapped on, even if I should have a husband tonight and should be also bear sons. Without having a husband, she, don't, she does not once think of having children, as many wantons or light skirts to do, making themselves, well, this horse here and their children bastards, all for satisfying the rage of present lust, though after they repent with grief and shame. The hand of the Lord has been gone against out against me. I justly waited heavily on Naomi's heart and mind. She felt that the calamity which came upon her family came because they were disobedient, probably leaving the promised land of Israel and marrying her son to Moabite women. Perhaps Naomi felt a particular guilt. Perhaps she was the one who pushed to move our Israel or push to marry off her sons. We don't know. It doesn't say. But the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Despite the feelings, Naomi is going back to the land of Israel and going back to her God. And though she felt that the hand of the Lord had gone against me, she did not grow bitter against God. She returned to him in repent, repentance knowing that the answer is drawing closer to him, not going farther from him. Naomi didn't accuse God of doing something wrong against her. She acknowledged his total control over all circumstances and was actually an expression of truth in him. Naomi was bitter and ang- was, if Naomi was bitter or angry against God, she probably would have gone another way, further from God, the God of Israel, rather than back to him. Instead, 
She showed that she trusted the sovereignty of God and knew that despite her personal calamities, he is a good God who blesses. Now, Naomi couldn't see it that the hand of God would go out for her shortly. There is never reason for us to despair if we believe that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. If we will return to him, his hand will go out for us again. Naomi had no idea, no, not the slightest, or how greatly God was going to bless her in a short time. Ophrah stayed in Moab. Ruth continued on with Naomi. They lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Ophrah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Just like we need to cling to Christ. Not push him away, but to cling to him. They lifted up their voices and wept again, both Ophrah and felt deeply. Both loved Naomi. Both were anxious about the future. But a choice had to be made, and Ophrah chose to stay in Moab. While Ruth clung to Naomi. And all of us have friends that have done that. They made the wrong choices. Some are content with feeling Christian feelings, feelings of, of a love for God, with feeling a love for his word, with feeling a love for his people. But what will you do? We are glad God didn't just feel his love for us. Instead, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's his love. Is that time? So I'm going to have to stop there. Lord willing, we'll continue on later. But my prayer for you is this. And I know I wrote it down. <laughs> it's in Jude, 124-25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and be present, you present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceedingly joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, and be glory and majesty, dominion and power, and both now and forever. Amen. May the Lord Jesus not only grant you peace, but that he fill your hearts to be able to actually draw closer to him as you progress, as you walk in his love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his countenance fall upon you. Amen.